Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right, DJs. Proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie. But just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date, and you should too. Why? Because March is about to get crazy. Insane. Maybe even a little mad. If you're still on the hunt for a sportsbook to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to 25,000 big ones, or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now, take advantage of their generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is use the promo code DEGENS, that's D-E-G-E-N-S, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code DEGENS to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Absolute Sports Betting Degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and it is time to go to the races with Rich. What's going on, man? Uh, just trying to find some winners this weekend. Last weekend, uh, Belmont was kind of chalky, so I mean, we had some winners, but you know, everybody was the favorite. I think five of the six horses <laughs> that won those stakes races last week were uh, the, the odds-on favorites, so not really the kind of day that you're going to make a ton of money despite bigger money pools. Mm-hmm. Um this week, we have a couple of four races at Churchill Downs uh, highlighted by the Stephen Foster stakes. I think you can get some value in maybe two races of the four. Otherwise, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see those races go to form as well. Okay. Some, uh, so it's, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's just because a lot of these horses are well rested and therefore everybody else, all of them are kind of running towards their, uh, you know, at their best. So, uh, and not, you know, catching some good horses that may be leg weary versus some horses that aren't as good that are fresh, allowing for some upsets. But, um, I, you know, last week was really a little bit too to form for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, I'm trying to think back now. It's been so long since we spoke last a was, week. Yeah, it's been a week and the world hasn't ended yet. Not yet. Despite mm. everyone's best efforts, apparently. Indeed. <laughs> Must have been out of the matches. Yeah. <laughs> oh, baseball's coming back, right? Yeah, it is coming back. What, 60-game schedule? 60 starting games. About, uh, starting in about a month from now? Yeah. It's looking fun. Um, when I was at the sports book earlier, I was looking, and you're not going to bet win-loss uh, total numbers. You're going to bet win percentages. That's what they're throwing out there. So, for uh, example, like um, the uh, – see here. I'm trying to find it. Regular season win percentage like uh, Diamondbacks, over or under 51.5%. Mm-hmm. Tough yeah. to tell. Yeah, it's tough to tell. It's interesting. I think, you know, just in case they don't get the full <laughs> – all 60 games in, the betting percentages will cover that. It is, isn't um, – aren't they going to kind of like, from what I read, or, or at least – heard on the radio i think is that they're going to kind of section teams off so they're going to play like in their zone 
uh, or like in a region more so than like a traditional schedule where they might go from like New York to LA. It was something like that. About that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's like kind of pods kind of like so wouldn't you think like um wouldn't you kind of want to like if in in, in uh, analyzing that mm-hmm. look for regions where the they have like the a bunch of weak teams and maybe one good team? Yeah, yeah. That would be the play. Uh, yeah, so I think like the Midwest, for example, where I am, you got Kansas City, which is probably pretty bad. Yeah, so I would think whatever whatever pod Kansas City's in, I, I would be looking at some of the other teams um, in that pod that might be might be pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, you got Kansas City's going to suck. Detroit's going to suck. Mm-hmm. How are your White Sox? I mean, they were pretty bad for a while. Yeah, but a lot of people think they're going to be much better this year. So. And, and most folks feel like the White Sox are in a division where they're on the upswing and maybe minus the Twins, everybody else is kind of on the downswing. Mm-hmm. So the White Sox could outperform this year. Um, the Cubs, everybody's kind of down on the Cubs this year. I don't know why. Um, maybe their starting pitching is a little bit old and their back end of the bullpen is a little bit weak, but – in 60 games, it's just a sprint. So I, I think anybody who you know gets off to a hot start has probably got a pretty good chance of getting to the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be wild to see 60 games, man. Ooh. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because if you think about it relative to every other sport, 60 games is a, is a pretty thermal mm-hmm. schedule. Mm-hmm. But um, it's yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that all works out in baseball. Yeah. I mean, my Cubs are my team. I'm glad I lived. In uh, you know, in a in a hundred year rolling period where they actually won the World Series, yeah, man, yeah, good for you, you made it. Yes, now I uh, that's one bucket list thing off that I had no control over anyway. I remember Bobby Cox saying, "White, you know, the the old manager for the Braves, whenever he thinks about making a, a change in like the lineup or anything, he sits on it for a month and see if he still feels that way. In a month, it's, the season's already going to be half over. Yeah, that's well, going to be a lot different this year. You're yeah, gonna, that's so I. So that's going to be, are the analytics or the gut feel, which one I, I think teams are probably going to take a, a different approach this year. I don't know. Yeah. Because you're going to have, a, you know, the analytics, of course, over time play out, right? But in a condensed yeah. window, they may not. Right. I mean, the Mariners live and die by, you know, well overperforming their Pythagorean win total. So whew, the Mariners could win it all this year. They could. <laughs> Probably not. But. No. All right. Over the, the Yankees, I think, are the team that they're favored to win, right? Oh, boy. I just closed it out. Let's see. I can take a look. I can take a look. Cover the dead air, Rich, while I'm reading here. Okay. So we'll be doing four races at Churchill. <laughs> yeah. Yankees and Dodgers are neck and neck, plus 375 each to win outright. Astros are nipping on their heels, plus 600. Yeah, the only problem with the Astros is they're going to get beamed in every single game. So is that still the players I mean, are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to <laughs> they're going to be fighting through bruises like cheetahs all year long. I know people were saying that. I was already when the season was the the full season. I was already on the record saying I'm taking the under 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 on the amount of Astros getting hit by pitches. I thought that was all going to get settled in spring training, and no one was going to care anymore by the time the real season rolls around. Man, that could be. I mean, uh, people probably have forgotten in light of yeah. all the other stuff that's going on in the world today, right? In, in 2020, which has been a yeah. uh, just a, a crazy year. So, whatever team is at the bottom is probably the team that's going to win. So, like if you're a Kansas City Royals fan or like a um, 
Baltimore Orioles fan, you better head yeah. to the window. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Royals are plus 50,000. So there you go. Dang, one buck. <laughs> okay. Enough of that. I don't have any plus 50,000 picks today. I wish I did. Yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't take it anyway. So. All right. Churchill Downs, race eight. Which one is this one? Race number eight Bashford. is the Bashford Manor Stakes. It's a grade three race where they're running for $100,000 total jackpot. And it's six furlongs on the main dirt track. And, and I have to say that this is a race for two-year-olds. So maybe uh, some of these horses you'll hear next year in the uh, Kentucky Derby uh, trail to see who runs in the 2021 Kentucky Derby trail. And it's kind of funny because this year, the 2020 trail starts before the 2020 race. The 2021 trail starts about the same time that they'll be running the 2020 race. So it's uh, there's no break. So with these two-year-olds, they're just crazy unpredictable. One day, <laughs> they are, uh, you know, they're world beaters. And the next day, you know, they're at the bottom of the heap, all losers. You can say it. Uh, that's okay. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> So looking at the race, um, <laughs> the horse that I think has got the best shot to win is number six. It's the favorite, Casadero. Casadero. Yes, indeed. And um, he came out in his debut, ran the top speed figure, beat a field of 11 horses by eight and three-quarter lengths, which is a, is a pretty stellar win. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I do is I keep track of, um, like we talked about last week or a week before that, of every horse that wins at the major tracks mm-hmm. and I'm looking for what I call, or what we we've tagged as radar horses. And these are horses that have, they've run at a level. So they put up a, a time that is better than the level that they ran at. So Casadero ran um, in a maiden $79,000 race. Uh, okay. He's debuted that he won, but he ran a time that was on par with, like stake winners, stakes winners, and high level horses. Oh shit! So that's why that horse kind of stands out to me. As for the rest of them, you know, it, it, two year olds kind of remind me of watching the lotto, like the pick three in the middle of the day, where you got the bubble gum machine with ping pong balls, numbered ping pong balls, kind of bouncing around, and you know, depending upon which one they waited, so their friends could win the you know the midday lotto. <laughs> They come rolling out of the bubblegum shoot. That's kind of how I see these races. So I'm not really a big fan of betting on them, but you can get value. So I have the six ranked first. I have the number three, Gatsby, ranked second. Number seven is uh, interesting to me. That's a county final. He came out. He broke his maiden as well. All these horses have run once. He uh, did that on turf, and now he's going to flip to dirt. If he can run the same race on um, dirt that he ran on grass, yeah. Uh, and sometimes horses are faster on uh, on the dirt. Well, most of the time, fractions are are faster on dirt than they are on grass. And if he can run on dirt as well as he ran on grass, or maybe even a little bit faster, then his speed figure I think was the second best, and he won by four lengths on a wire to wire in a wire to wire effort. Hmm. And he's put a lot of bullet workouts in. So he looks good on paper and uh, you can get some value there at six to one. So country final is our, is our third pick. 
And then we round them out with uh, the two Hewlin, number four, hyper-focus, and number five, herd immunity. And honestly, um, they can come in any of any order in that. So maybe the way to play it is put uh, the our top pick, Casadero, in an exact or a trifecta where you have them in first and second. And then any of the other horses that kind of have um, – where their odds maybe go up a little bit, include them in the uh, in the exact in the trifecta. And I would keep an eye on number seven's odds. If you see his odds come down a little bit from six to one, maybe five to one, four to one, that kind of lets you know that the folks um, who, especially early, like when the window first opens up, a lot of the smart money hits the window early. Um, if that's the case, if you see his odds come down right off the jump, that kind of gives me a hint that perhaps the folks that know this horse expect it to run really well on dirt. All right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So the early money trick sometimes too, and this is uh, they kind of spoof the odds too. People will go in and they'll make a huge bet on a horse so that the odds come down. And then right at the last minute, they'll go cancel the ticket because they want to influence the way everybody else bets. Right. Which is crazy. But, it you know, they do it. And then they'll turn around and throw their money on the horse that they want and get better odds. Yeah. Well, that's just what you and Chris do, right? That's what I do. Yeah. I throw my $8 <laughs> down on a horse. And the next thing you know, it's odds drop from, you know, 20 to 1 to 1 to 5. What was that Angelica Houston movie? They did that or something like that. Oh, man. The Grifters, I want to say. Did you ever see that? Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, it was something like that. They were running uh, back, you know, uh, horse track scams to push the odds down. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they spoof it. They do that in the stock market, too, where they'll spoof a stock. Yeah. So they'll make it look like there's a ton of selling or a ton of buying just a little bit away from where the current price is to kind of hold the stock in place or perhaps um, push its price in one direction or another. But it's uh, it, in horse racing because the pool sizes are smaller. It's you, it, you can manipulate them a little bit more. But obviously, once they have you know, once the race is gone, you know the betting window is closed. You can no longer do that. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. So you get the odds you get when they run. So that's why I really don't pay attention to the odds, but I do um, pay attention to the early money a lot of times to see if some of the horses I like are, are attracting some early money. And that lets me know that maybe the, the folks on the ground uh, know something that um, the rest of us don't. There you go. All right. So the next race is race nine, and that is the Fleur de Lis handicap. It's, um, You're a native French speaker, I can tell. Yeah, I am. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> I think the only French I learned was from Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, Inspector Clouseau. Uh, that too. That's actually a pretty funny movie, some of them. If you look back and now, I'm surprised Steve Martin hasn't gotten canceled with some of the humor he has in some of those Pink Panther movies. I don't, He's probably next on the chopping block. I didn't see any of the Steve Martin movies. I was talking about the uh, Peter Sellers, the old, old ones. Oh, yeah, I remember watching those as a kid too with Cato when they were fight each other. Yeah, yeah. Classic, classic. It's kind of like my relationship with the, my dog. Yeah. Um, she's Clouseau and I'm... You're Cato. Yeah. Yeah, I just attack her out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, everybody told me how funny Steve Martin was. It wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that everyone was lying to me, and he's not that funny. He's go. not that funny, but in the, in the movie Pink Panther, he, he's pretty funny. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's just the writers, I don't know, but probably because a lot of it's like politically incorrect. Yeah. So 
you can laugh, um, but now you can't make politically correct in uh, movies anymore or comedians. I, I see a lot of them online complaining that they can't, <laughs> they're, they're not free to crack jokes anymore. Yeah. Well, that, that was the story of the guy that made the Joker. He was made, he made those hangover movies and said, you just can't do comedy anymore. Sad, 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 sad. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Nothing you can do. Well, we can try to be funny. I don't know if we ever are successful at it, but we can do our best. We're offensive to comedy in a whole different way. And just everybody in general, which is good because if you offend everybody, you can't be singled out as a, uh, as a particular type of offender. Right. Right. So in the race number nine um, with my uh, French, fluent French, this looks to me like it's a two-horse race between number four Serengeti Empress and number five, Midnight Bisu. Bisu. Yes. And uh, the number five is a three to five Ooh. morning line favorite. She's definitely um, a, a really rock solid horse. She's run 18 times on a fast track, um, has 10 wins. She's run twice on a wet track, and it might rain in Churchill tomorrow. Um, tomorrow so um, that's something to keep in mind. And she's two for two on an off track. So definitely um, very worthy of the three to five morning line uh, odds. She's coming home from running in Saudi Arabia at the Saudi Cup, which was for $20 million. It's the oh. richest race in, in the world's history. Nice to be oil barons, no? Yeah. And she finished second behind Maximum Security. Many people oh, remember Maximum yeah. Security from the Kentucky Derby getting disqualified. Mm -hmm. And Maximum Security might be, probably is one of the best horses on the planet right now. No question about it. Prior to leaving for Saudi Arabia, she finished second, beating um, Serengeti. Empress by uh, uh, by about a length, length and a half. Okay. And before that, she won seven races in a row. So uh, definitely a solid horse. Um, I'm going to lean towards Serengeti Empress getting the better of her this time, even though last time out she just completely bombed, finished 11th to 14 by 12 lengths. Probably needed a rest, maybe jet, just got um, – Jet lag. Yeah, well, she no, she ran at Oakland Park down in oh, Arkansas. Never mind. May, yeah, so it's uh, she maybe spent a little bit of day, and maybe she went, uh, if, you know, to those hot springs over there and was a little too relaxed for her run. Who knows? <laughs> but she was the favorite that day, a heavy, heavy favorite. And um, her trainer Thomas Amos comes back and rebounds to win with beaten favorites thirty percent of the time Ooh. in the next race. That's a pretty high win win rate. Yeah, she's raced at Churchill three times, has two wins. And the reason I give her a, a, a good shot to flip the script this time around is because of pace setup, which we talk about a lot. And she's going to get to the lead for sure, and minus you know tripping or something coming out of the gate. And she could get loose up front. She could be two, three, four lengths ahead of everybody else. And if she does, then she's going to have a great chance to win. And the key is going to be that first half mile number. If she can run the first half mile in about 47 seconds or, or more, I think it'll be really hard for people to run her down. And we saw last week at the Belmont Stakes, um, tap it to win, who I said would get to the lead, got to the lead, and we talked about the fractions being important. 
And that jockey ran it way too fast with the horse. Going back to our first conversation when I said that mm-hmm. you see uh, horses carry jockeys over the finish line, not the other way around. He ran too fast and blew that horse's chance. When it when it was at 46 and opening half, I said, this horse is not going to win. Oh. And then I thought maybe I was wrong because during the race, the jockey, you see this a lot of times. So if you're watching a race and you and you see the jockey on a horse, a lot of times they'll look down between their legs. And what they're doing when they do that is they're looking to see where the other horses are at on the track to get a feeling of, you know, what they have to do to yeah. get to the, to the finish line. And a lot of times when a jockey looks underneath his legs like that, it's because he feels like he's got a lot of horse left. So he's wondering, okay, when do I step on the gas? Mm. It's usually a good sign when a jockey does that. So when, when the jockey on tap at the wind looked between his legs, I thought, ah, I can't believe he still thinks he has horse left. And, but then again, in the end, the fractions proved to be more accurate than his, his um his between the legs view right right he was left just staring at his dick <laughs> indeed <laughs> so anyway so serengeti impress if she can get to the lead and run 47 or more i think she'll be tough to pass after that you know it's uh it's kind of a crapshoot as to who might come in third i, I have go google yourself as the third pick because <laughs> she's um She's gotten five. She's gotten in the winner's circle five times in her last 10 races and with a, with three seconds in there. So she's definitely been um, one that likes to win, knows how to win, competitive horse. And at Churchill, um, she has uh, two wins, three seconds, and two-thirds and nine starts. So she's been competitive at Churchill. After that, I have a nice long shot in here. Um, well, kind of a 12 to 1, another another broad who has run at the distance six times with a win, a place, and uh, two shows. She's been working out pretty strong. He's making a second start off a layoff, which is a 20% winner for trainer Todd Pletcher. So I, what, I've, um, what I'm doing uh, in terms of possible bets, yeah. I'm going to put Serengeti Empress on the top by herself, hope that she gets the speed that I want, and then I'll put um, – midnight bisu at the in the second spot um and then put all the other horses behind them for third in a trifecta that's the bet i would make so the, the way you would put that on your betting machine is it would be four five all four five all okay mm-hmm. and hopefully it comes out that way that bet's going to be for a trifecta but there's how many horses in the field seven uh seven horses so it'll be a five dollar bet not that much per dollar. So if you bet five, it would cost you $25. Okay. Yeah. I'll do it. Fast forwarding to uh, race number uh, 10, which is the marquee race of the day. It's the Stephen Foster stakes. Again, this race is a race that could probably run to form. I, I believe there's three horses that are likely to produce the winner. The number five is the even money morning line favorite. That's Tom's Detat. And it's easy to see why the odds maker likes him. He's run seven consecutive triple-digit speed figures. And that's just the way that they um, they try to normalize races between different tracks. So they give it the speed figure number. Is it so accurate? Way, Is it, do you find that's pretty accurate, the speed figure? I find that it's 
somewhat accurate. You know, it's just one tool in the toolbox, right? It's it's one of my. Um, I think it, it probably of the the different metrics that I use is probably the most accurate. Hmm. But I don't necessarily. I don't. It's not a hundred percent of my decision making. So I like to look at the speed numbers. I like to look at the recent form. I like to look at how they run at a particular track. I like to see how much money they've won per start, which yeah. is an indication of like the quality of the horse. And then you know I'll layer in like the jockey and the trainer, and and then some other little angles that I look at in there. You now the specific cycle that the horse might be in, and how that trainer performs in that cycle. And, and so I got a little bit in the weeds there. No, no. But no. If, if, if you look at the rest of the horses in the field, I think they have a collective 65 or 64 starts. And they've produced 11 triple digit speed figures. And that triple digit speed figure is a kind of like a, it's a, a quality benchmark. You know, anything at 100 or above is, is usually uh, tells you that that's a really sound horse. Hmm. Now, Tom's Detat has won four of his last five starts. So he's definitely in good form right now. He's won five of eight at the distance. He's hit the board in six of seven at Churchill. And uh, his trainer, I was you know reading some articles, uh, Albert Stahl Jr. says he doesn't have any doubt that the horse is going to show up for the race because he typically runs really well fresh. In other words, he's gotten a little bit of a rest. So I, I expect he'll definitely factor in and probably be the horse to beat um a horse i'm looking at that i think has a chance to upset him a little bit of some value at uh, at four to one is number eight owendale uh owendale is coming off of um he, he he had a little bit of rest won his last race at churchill downs and he comes from way 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 off the pace Two races ago, he ran against Tom's Tot and finished second. Ooh. But he started 11th of 11th, was like way behind the pack. And I would expect this time around that jockey Florent Garou is going to keep. Yeah, I was pretty good at my French there. There you go. Yeah. I think he's going to hug a little bit closer to uh, keep Tom's Tot a little bit closer in sight this time around. See if he can uh, have a shot to, when they come out of that turn to, to run by him late. His trainer, Brad Cox, you know, is phenomenal in uh, second starts, winning at 28%, and he wins at 28% following a win. Yeah, yeah. we've so talked about that. We've had that name come up a lot, Brad Cox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he's definitely one of those young and up-and-coming trainers that you'll hear a lot about going forward. And I expect him to move forward, have a better race this time around, and if – if he's, you know, when you're watching the race, if he's middle of the pack when the announcer is making his call early on, I think he's going to be real trouble for the rest of the field. And the other horse I think the winner um, is you know, likely to uh, come from is number six, by my standards. He's mm -hmm. uh, five to two, so he's the odds maker's second choice. He's won five of his last six races, three in a row, and the only one that he didn't win was last year's Kentucky Derby. Where he finished 12th, uh, 11. He just didn't run well. And he apparently he doesn't really like the sloppy tracks or the wet tracks because he's run on them three times and he has a second and a third. Whereas he's run on a fast track six times, has five wins in a second. Damn. 
So he did post the highest last race speed number, which we talked about, was a little bit higher than is a really substantial jump from his previous um, speed number. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little worried that he might have a little bit of a bounce, probably not run to that same level, but he's been training really well at uh, Churchill coming into this race with a couple bullet workouts. And then he's had a couple of eh, workouts. So I do think he's going to be a factor. He's three for three at the distance. So I, I think one of those three horses is likely to win. Um, by my standards, it'll probably be second or third out of the out of the out of the gates, out of the box, and track the leaders, and then try to run by them late. I would expect that Tom's the top will probably sit right off of by my standards, and you know I'd be curious to see where Owendale is. If Owendale is sitting right behind Tom's the top, I, I think he's really got a shot to pull it off uh, as the highest odds in that three. And then rounding out our picks, we have the rail horse Fearless as our fourth chance. This is another closer. Uh, the trainer feels like um, Todd Pletcher feels like the horse ran really well last time out and has been training very well at Churchill. So he said instead of shipping him off somewhere else, he said, what the hell, let's take a shot and see how he performs. And then if a horse is going to steal it from a long shot angle, Either number two, Pirate's Punch, or number um, seven, Silver Dust, are the ones I think have a good shot. I would probably lean a little bit more towards Silver Dust and Pirate's Punch. And one of those two horses is likely to be on the lead. Pirate's Punch is going to be on the lead, I think, for sure. But Silver Dust will probably be right on his tail. And he's a little bit more a quality horse, I think. Gave up the lead late in his last race to Owendale, finished third by three and three quarters. So if he's stronger in the second race, uh, at which trainer Brett Calhoun wins at 19%, and he's got a shot to get up on or near the lead and stay there all the way around the track because there's not going to be much uh, many other horses um, that really are going to push for that lead besides Pirate's Punch. So if they can get out, again, fractions will be everything. If they can run reasonable fractions early on, they might be able to hold off the crowd hustling at them towards the end. <laughs> uh, but for me, you know, I'm going to do a, I would suggest maybe an exact box with uh, five, six, and eight. And then for a trifecta, put five, six, and eight first and second, or maybe five, six, and eight first with all six of our horses second in five, six, and eight third, because if you have three horses, one of them, you know, could finish third, no problem. And that way, if you get one of the longer shots in the middle, you can um, end up with a better ticket. If you really want to go for the biggest ticket, then what I would do is put all six horses on top and then the top three horses finishing second and third and hope for an upset. Hmm. I like it. Risky. Yeah, it's risky. I mean, it costs a little bit of money, but with these 50 cent trifectas now, I mean, you know, maybe 12, 13 bucks. And if you, if they come in the right order, uh, you could end up, you know, a hundred dollars, 200 bucks, something like that. Oh, so it's not yeah. a bad $12. No, no, no. You can go out to eat. Indeed. <laughs> Assuming the restaurant that you frequent is still open. Well, I mean, they are here. They're opening up today in Chicago, so you can go out and get a side order of COVID with your fries. <laughs> uh, sorry, are you, are you going out? You going to take 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 the wife out date night tonight? Uh, it's raining today. It's ugly outside, so and 
nah, we're not going to go out today. Maybe uh, it's supposed to rain tomorrow too. And maybe we'll go out on Sunday as a group family and get something to eat. We'll see. Yeah. But I mean, she gets to hang out with you all the time. So every, I mean, every day is a good day for her. Yeah, that's what she tells me. <laughs> it reminds me of an old joke that um, a guy can go to work and then uh, everybody will tell him how wonderful he is, well, how smart he is, you know, how ambitious he is. And, and then he'll get home and his wife will tell him what an a-hole he is. It's true. I guess. It's not been my experience, Wink. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You're the lucky one, Rich. I am the lucky one. <laughs> That's why I hit so many horse races, man. It's not skill. It's just flat out luck. Well, there you go. I like it. We just live Better on luck. be lucky than good, as the saying say it goes. Yes, yes. And uh, as Eddie Olchek says, you know, you should always put a bet out every single day because you might be walking around lucky and just not know it. That's true. There's only one way to know. Put some money out there. Yeah. So finally, we wrap up the day with uh, the regret stakes. Hopefully, we don't regret betting it. Um, it's a grade three mile and an eighth on the turf for some three-year-old girls. Big field, 13 horses. So oh. it, this is a race where we have a chance, I think, at the best value. Um, because of the, the field size, and there's really not a big favorite. Number five is the favorite, uh, Crystal Cliffs. And it's, again, easy to understand why she's the favorite. She's coming from a series of races. I think she raced, what, twice, I think, in uh, in France. She had a win at a, at a stakes level and then came to the United States to run for uh, trainer Graham Motion. And typically horses that come, and we've talked about this before too, but I found from watching races, a lot of times horses that fly even from wherever, the first race here is not um, indicative of what their talent really is. Yeah. But she actually came here and won oh. on her first race. And so I would expect her to improve in, 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 in round two, off to, uh, round two in the U.S. And the jockey trainer um, combo of uh, Motion and John Velasquez, they've run um, in the last 60 days 11 times and won five of them. So, and there's a major return on investment when you bet on them, you know, $10 and 80 cents per box. So that's pretty stellar. Yeah. It's not bad at all. Uh, so I would think that she's going to put a, um, I think she'll put a really good effort down. Like I said, the second effort is usually better than the first and the first good enough to win this race. Uh, and then after that, I think it can get, I mean, though, I think this whole race can be kind of crazy. So I think there's going to be a lot of value in there. I have the um, second pick, number four, is is uh, in good spirits. And if she wins, you will be. <laughs> she tied for the highest last race speed figure. And she's run on turf three times. And she was supposed to run a fourth time. In her debut, she was supposed to run on turf, but the, the track was wet, so they moved the, the race to dirt. And she didn't like it. She started off pretty quickly and then quickly faded to the back of the pack and said, I'm packing it in and she came out again the next time at Churchill Downs, ran a mile on the on the grass, and just took to the lead and never looked back. Hmm. She came out again um, next race, Church uh, at Keeneland again on the turf at today's distance. Well, a little bit shorter, mile and a sixteenth. Took to the lead, never looked back. And then she came off the bench to run on May, so she had been on the sidelines for about six seven months. 
and got to the lead and then kind of faded at the end, uh, finishing fourth by only one and a quarter length. So she wasn't all that far off the lead uh, at a long shot at 58 to one. So she, uh, she should get better in her second race like she did early in her career. And that tells me she should be able to sustain the lead much longer. And she's one of maybe a couple. She might be the only speed horse in the field. And so, again, if she can get out and run decent fractions, she's already proven she can get to the front and keep the front. And if she improves off that first race and moves forward and takes a step up, I wouldn't be surprised to see her get to the lead, keep the lead, and stay in the lead from beginning to end. Definitely a horse that uh, the pace could work out really well for her and in the style. My third horse might have been my first pick, Dominga, if it wasn't riding the rail, which for whatever reason really just does not perform well at one and eighth miles on the turf at Churchill. Really, really low winning percentage. So there must be some traffic type thing. They start right on the turn, and maybe the horses to the outside don't have to turn whereas the horse to the inside um does have to turn so maybe it's a straight shot out well it is a straight shot out of the gate for the outside horses whereas the inside horses have to turn that could be a detriment and that might be why that one two and three horse have really struggled to come home first minus that you got a trainer that wins at a high rate and brad cox yeah uh, when he's teamed up with uh sean bridge mahone they win at a high rate, 31%. So it's definitely a good combination there. On the turf, she's won three of six. She's won one of two at Churchill. And she should be probably right off the, the – right, like in that leading that second pack of horses somewhere in that place. Okay. And in all of her races except one – well, in fact, all of her races. But one, it was just a really bad race. So she just ran flat, so I don't really count that one. But in all of her races, she's made up a lot of ground late. And this kind of does favor this distance. Uh, horses that rally instead of drag drag race. So uh, if she's close coming out of the turn, she could defy that rail jinx. But I think it could be a little bit too much to overcome. And you know, But I do expect her to have a shot to run up into the money. Now um, we, we're going to have a, a real long shot in here because I think there, there's not much of a difference between all the other horses in the race. And number two, His Glory ran for the first time ever in a 10 race career on turf last time out and won. His speed figure was on par with all the other horses um, in the field. And if he improves in a second race off the on the grass, his speed figure could be good enough to win. And he's the longest shot on the board at 30 to one. Now, Joe Sharp is the trainer and the owner. Uh -oh. That's something to keep an eye out on when you're looking at the program, because for a trainer to go spend his own money on a horse, gives you an indication that the trainer thinks that he can make more out of that horse. So in his last race, Joe Sharp, the trainer and owner, claimed him in a claimed her in a fifty thousand dollar claiming race. So he, he laid out some pretty nice bucks to buy this horse. So he really liked what he saw. He really liked what he saw, correct. And on top of that, it's this horse is making its third start off after a layoff, which Joe Sharp wins at 24%. But to be honest, this isn't his three-race cycle. 
It was the previous trainer's three-race cycle, Thomas Amos. But he wins at 20% after claiming a horse, Mm. which is a pretty good rate. So he's one for one at Churchill, ran a speed figure that's not that far off everybody else in the field, won, and then and his first go around on turf and won at Churchill. 30 to 1, you put all those pieces together, you never know. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. nice to cash a 30 to 1 ticket. Yeah. And then uh, we round out our picks with the uh, our, our uh, alternative picks, number 12, past the plate, keeping with the uh, religious theme between his glory and past the plate. Yeah. And then number 10, Harvey's Little Goyle. That's our, our second alternative pick. And then another horse in there, too, that um, it's not because I'm limited to six picks in my, in my work, is number nine, Evil War, is another horse that could get to the lead and possibly win the race. So kind of uh, seven horses for you to kind of look at. I think that you're probably going to get the winner, um, I think, out of the top three again. But it's not, I don't, well, I think the top two, Crystal Cliffs and In Good Spirits, are uh, the two I think have a, the best chance to win. But what I would probably do in this race, because I do think it's wide open, is I would load up on the winner side of the exacta and put a lot of horses up on there. So maybe all six, maybe seven with the uh, Eve's Warhorse, Eve of Warhorse. Yeah. Uh, and then put them on top of Crystal Cliffs and maybe Dominga or In Good Spirits. I think if In Good Spirits is going to do anything, she's going to win because she'll get up on the lead and then keep the lead. If she can't get up on the lead and keep the lead, she'll probably fade and, and, and not finish in the money. But I think the pace kind of sits up in her favor where she could get up on the lead all by herself. Um, but that's probably the way I would bet this race is I would look to try to hit a long shot on on top of an exacta. Mm-hmm. So maybe all seven horses on top of the five and the one and see what comes in and hope his glory wins followed by Dominga. And you might get yourself an exacta that pays a couple hundred bucks. Hey, I like it. I like it. So with all these horses, you like the top horses. You think a pick four is in order? Should we do it or no? So if we were to do a pick four in this particular series of races, let me just rewind to make sure there sure. is a pick four available on this because a oh, lot yeah. of times the pick four ends on the last race. So, and oh. let's see. So in race number, I don't think that's the last race of the day over there at Churchill. It might be. So 11 is the last race. Yeah. Uh, all right. So race number eight, which is the Bashford pick four okay so there is a pick four so for these four yeah graded stakes races now you're going to put me on the spot so i, am. What, I like four curveballs how would i how would i pick and i do like pick fours too it's one of my favorite things to bet even though they're really hard to win so in the first leg um going back to the two-year-olds um if you want a single the six so if you want to keep your yeah. tickets to a minimum i would probably single the six casadero if you want to expand it a little bit, because uh, in the race with Midnight Bisu and Serengeti Empress, I mean, you could really limit your ticket there. I would probably in that first race go with the the six, the three, and the seven. Oh, you okay? Maybe the two. So if you want to single it, I'd go with the six. If you want to expand it, then I would go two, three, six, seven in number race number eight, the first leg of the pick four. Mm-hmm. In the second race. 
Um, that's the one with Serengeti Empress yes. and Midnight Bisu. I would be inclined to single the four in case she wins because you're going to, that'll boost the ticket beating a three to five, but you're going to kind of feel like an ass if you don't have the five in and it wins. So that's your choice there. <laughs> feel like an ass or go for the bigger ticket. So personally, I would single the four in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe do like a backup bet where the five to win where I recover some of my losses should um, the five actually take the take the win there. Right. Maybe, maybe an exact. So that would be a single candidate there. And then in the Stephen Foster, definitely I would go the five, six, and eight. All three. Okay. All three, hoping that the eight wins. And then to close it out, uh, I would definitely I, – I would think about um, using the top four picks, number one, two, four, and five. And y- you might throw the two out because you say he's 30 to one. He's got no shot to win. She's got no shot to win. The thing is, at 30 to one, if it does win and you get the right – and you have all the other winners, I mean, you could be talking about you, – you'll definitely hit – um, a race for two bucks that, that includes a comma in the payout. <laughs> and uh, so let's just say, so when people are doing pick fours, right, yeah. you can't, uh, you, you don't know how people are going to bet on the last race. So you don't know what the wind pool is going to be. Let's say the smart money really loves his glory, but the people who are looking through the program, putting together their pick four tickets, see number two at 30 to one. Not a lot, a lot, of, not a lot of people are going to have his glory to close out the ticket. So maybe five, six people, maybe 20, I don't know how many, whereas the favorite could have hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. So instantly, if the two wins, the number of people dividing that pool is probably going to be chopped by 80%, which means that payout goes up. Yeah, right. Correspondingly. Yeah. So I, you know, if I have a live long shot, I'm always going to include it in the back end of uh, or in any end of the um, pick four or pick three because, like I say, if it hits, the number of tickets just gets snipped Man. big time. I like it. So we're going to be retiring on Monday after this. <laughs> if you can retire, if you're that close to retirement, where only one comma puts you over the bump, <laughs> I envy you. <sighs> I think I need three commas to get over the bump. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to my first two comma, two comma check. (laughs) I thought you made that at the website every, every week. Yeah, I do. Okay. It's in uh, like, what is it? The Venezuelan currency (laughs) (laughs) where they have, where it requires three commas to buy a loaf of bread. Yeah. If you can find one. All right, so we got the pick threes. We got all your picks in. That's excellent. Yeah, so it should be a busy day. It's uh, there's a lot of good racing going on in uh, this weekend. The Ohio Derby. I talked with um, the track announcer there, Matt Hook, yesterday, and uh, the podcast that we host over at Guarantee Tip Sheet. He threw in a really nice piece of inside information. Oh, uh, so you have to go listen to that podcast if yeah. you want to hear it. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on iTunes or our Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. We found it. Mm-hmm. So it's out yeah, there. No. So it's some really good stuff on there. And uh, 
if you're ever in uh, the Cleveland area, he says you should go to the, I think it was called the Winking Lizard. And they have uh, 250 beers and there's some challenge, I guess, to see how many you can get through in the course of an evening. <laughs> just make sure you have an Uber. Yeah, no doubt. Well, what's the name of the podcast if people are just searching in the podcast app? The Player's Edge. The Player's so Edge. It's really about pickup lines, but we decided to do horse racing in there and sports betting as well. Yeah, because if there's one thing the ladies love, it's horse it's sports betting in general, and I'm specifically sure they, horse racing. They really love it. Uh, that's boring. <sighs> Women. Who needs them? We all do. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, my man. Uh, yeah, that's... That's unfortunate. Okay. What else? Anything else we need to know? We talked baseball. We talked horse racing. Stocks? Anything yeah, going on there? I think the market, you know, you got Texas and Florida and some of these places having a little bit of a difficult time with the, with the COVID rebound, although the death rates are kind of low. Um, but the governors and stuff are starting to roll back a little bit of the reopening, putting some fear into people. So it's probably not a bad idea to just kind of see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, the market just probably broke some support levels. So that kind of worries me a little bit. You know, if I'm looking at anything, I'm going to continue to look uh, right now at insider buying to see which executives think there's some value in their companies. Um, there was one I found the other day. I can't remember the symbol right now, but in, in, in light of the market kind of being iffy with the old COVID, it'd probably be better off just to sit back and wait and see if things get a little bit cheaper before committing money to the market. Okay. Okay. Well, so we got we got plenty of money to bet on horses then. Plenty of money in baseball in a month, and then maybe football there afterwards. Um, don't know what's going on with hockey. At first, they said they were going to be out of the you know out of the gates yeah. right away, and then they kind of just went silent. So tough yeah. to say what they're going to do. Well, yeah. Okay. Nobody watches hockey anyway, right? Just the people in Canada. <laughs> hockey. <laughs> And they stopped watching since Don Cherry retired anyway, right? Retired. Yeah. That's a good word for it. (laughs) Yeah. We'll let that go. Indeed. All right. So that's it, man. Y'all have good luck at the races this weekend and uh, stay healthy, especially if you're in those states with the rebounds. And we'll be back next week as well with uh, 4th of July racing. There's plenty of stakes racing that's going to cut across – Saturday, Sunday, Friday, mm-hmm. so maybe even Monday. Holy crap. Yeah. So we got a lot. And we still have to schedule some time to actually talk about just, you know, the various methods to putting together a bet ticket at the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to figure that out too. Well, in, ter- in terms of the pick four, one of the things that you can do, and we can just kind of maybe do this kind of quickly, is you can take all four of the horses that you want to make your top pick. So let's just say, for example, based upon – what we've uh, talked about today in the first race we have casadero in the second race we have serengeti empress in the third race you can take your pick between tom's de tot owendale and by my standards yeah. let's just say we go with owendale because we don't want the one-to-one on there and then in the last race um we single up crystal's cliff so you take your top four picks and you bet one ticket just in case they all win it's one dollar, right? And a one dollar bet, two dollars for a two dollar bet, whatever your uh, whatever your um, payroll is per bet, your unit amount. And that way, if it wins, and then you have the other ticket with multiple horses on it for two dollars more, five dollars more, one dollar more, depending upon your betting unit, you'll have it twice instead of once. 
Okay. Right? That makes yeah. Sense. yeah, it makes and sense. It's, yeah. It's a limited. And you can carry that through through all four legs. So what some people suggest doing is taking your top pick and singling it in every leg and then using two or three horses. So like in the first race, the one ticket, you would single Casadero and then do Serengeti Empress and Midnight Bisu. And the other one, you take our top three picks in the Stephen Foster and then our top four picks in the closeout race. And then in the second race, so you would single up Serengeti Empress uh, in the second all the way through. So in, in the first race, so you'd have four tickets where you single the winner in the first race, second race, third race, fourth race. And then in every other one, you would rotate all the others. And that way, if your top four picks win, you would win four times. Well, there you and go. If your top pick wins three times, you would have it three times. If your top pick wins two times, you would have it twice and so forth. So that's um, um, how, like, the, the, the pros, if you will, bet pick threes and pick fours. Okay. I like Did it. Did that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it kind of got a little bit confusing, I thought, when I was talking about singling up every leg. Um, but I'll put together a graph that we'll be able to throw up on, um, uh, on one of the upcoming podcasts. Yeah, we can take a look at it and see for sure. All right, man. Yeah, my friend, yeah. off, to, off to eat a little bit for the first time today. Nice. Mom, uh, I'm on my way to my fighting weight so I can uh, do that MMA bucket list thing sometime uh, I'm going to turn 54 soon, so I better do it pretty soon before. Uh, well, I mean, George Foreman won one before 53, so what the hell? He fought like Tommy Morrison, like the biggest nobody ever. So whatever. <laughs> well, I'll go pick a Tommy Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, you go pick. Yeah, you have a good day and good weekend, everybody. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.